Hello and welcome to WanderCast, the podcast all about life and luxury, travel, and everything in between. I am Tiz Kavetsa, Marketing Manager for Wanderlux Destinations, and I'm joined today by Jamie Jackson, our Director of Sales, and our special guest, Leonore, who is the Product and Marketing Manager for The Little Orange. So hello and welcome both. Hello. Greetings, Um, ladies. (laughs) Nice to have you again, Jamie, and it's so exciting to have Leonore with us today. On this episode of WanderCast, we're going to take our listeners to beautiful Portugal, where we'll introduce the best way to experience this country, which is, of course, by way of the fabulous DMC, The Little Orange, true experts in creating authentic, tailor-made travels. The heart and soul of The Little Orange comes from the great pride and love of country, a passion to share their home with travelers. And I love the message that Portugal deserves to be lived a different way. Leonor, would you mind sharing the story of how the Little Orange came to be? <laughs> Hi, Tiz. I would love to. Uh, the story behind the Little Orange is actually the essence of the brand. And it is crucial to understand how we operate. Um, it all started with Antonio and Juan. When debating about traveling in Portugal, uh, they've been best friends for many, many years and they're both owners of unique holiday homes in the countryside. And Tonio has um, a special quinta, which is a traditional estate in the Douro Valley, where his Juan owns a private villa in Alentejo. So together they've decided to create a project in their own image. And really will we create what tourism is for a niche um, in Portugal? Mm-hmm. So their aim was, and, and actually it still is, of course, to offer the country in a very personal way, providing encounters with interesting people, stays at private places, and overall memorable moments. And, um, well, as you mentioned, they believe Portugal deserves to be lived in a different way. Mm-hmm. And the dream that they shared became a reality and is now called the Little Orange. And a few things that set the Little Orange apart when it comes to DMC services for Portugal is the fact that you are based in country and provide dedicated service to only Portugal. Why is that so important? Uh, Well, firstly, we are Portuguese and passionate about our country. So so we know our ground. That makes a huge difference if you think about it because we carefully handpick our partners and local suppliers. We know them personally and make sure we are aligned at every level. Um, also, as I've mentioned, Antonio and Juan, they, they open doors. So for instance, one of the Little Orange's shareholders, he owns a fabulous private estate in, in Ribatejo, which is an area with a deep connection to the land of North Lisbon. And this allows us, for instance, to organize a private visit to his estate, uh, go for a horse-driven carriage, around the property and then sit for lunch um, at the palatial house with the family. Uh, so basically these grants and, and our clients uh, and insider access and a more exclusive experience. Um, if I would be giving you another example, uh, for instance, um, a couple we started just working with recently, uh, she's Portuguese, he's German, and, and they're both winemakers and decided to open the first urban winery in Lisbon. Mm. So we've met them, um, liked the space, and and loved their project. So we've decided to design a special experience, which includes a private visit to the winery with them to learn about the whole winemaking process. And then there's a sequence of wine-taking challenges right at their workspace. 
it is this kind of people and this kind of places that really inspire us to push the boundaries and offer out-of-the-box experiences in the country. So basically, just to sum it up, uh, we sell what we know, what we trust, and, and what we love. Um, and above all, what we believe is best for who comes to visit. Yeah, and it's almost like having real-time, real-life relationships that are basically being lived every single day. These are people yes. that you're constantly in touch with, you're mingling with. So that is part of what sets that um, services apart for the Little Orange. But another way that um, you all differ from other DMCs is through your personally curated collection of villas. Now, Leonor, I know you cared um, to share a little bit more about the collection, but can you also add how bookings work for the villas like what is included and what can be specially arranged? Sure. Um, yeah, at the Little Orange, we do have a, a unique portfolio of villas and private houses across the whole country, including the archipelagos of Azores and Madeira. And these are, they are ideal for a big family or for a group of friends that privilege quality time, slow travel, and want to stay a, at a more private setting. Um, if I would Speak one of my favorites, uh, I would have to say it is Quinta de Cima, which is owned by Antonio's family, mm-hmm. and where we hosted our latest fun trip in the Douro Valley. Um, it is a truly special house, and as soon as you cross the main gate, you will have a feeling of a home away from home that it, it, it really is hard to describe uh, and to put into words. But um, you can enjoy a truly special day in inside the house without even having to leave, uh, play tennis, uh, go for a dip in the swimming pool, enjoy a home-cooked meal prepared by the housekeepers, which are also great cooks. Um, so staying at, at a villa gives you this homey feel and it's perfect for those who want to be based in the same place for a longer period of time. Um, at the moment, we have more than 50 exclusive properties and, and the offer is, is quite diverse. So we count with traditional estates with a, a more rustic decor, uh, some stylish beach, beach houses, uh, contemporary villas. So there are options for all tastes, really. And they all have something special about them. Uh, regarding the, um, the services included, such as daily cleaning and, and housekeeping, most of them have those. Um, whereas others are self-catering villas. But in this case, we can always add uh, all the necessary extras, such as a chef at home, a rental car to be delivered at the door, or even made-to-measure experiences and programs to to fill up the days. Uh, Lastly, for the booking process, uh, there are some exceptions to the rule, but our standard policy is asking for a down payment of 50% of the full amount, just to secure the villa, and the remaining 50% up to one month before the arrival date, alongside the security deposit. Now, are those villas booked on a weekly basis, or are there any um, minimum number of nights that are required for villa bookings? Oh, yeah, so this is not the ideal answer, I know, uh, but it depends once again. Um, usually during the peak season, um, the, the standard stay is weekly, uh, Saturday to Saturday, uh, but there are some variations. Uh, during the rest of the year, the minimum stay is usually three nights. Okay, great. So would you just 
now that we've kind of talked about the villas a little bit, let's just talk, go back a little bit more about Portugal. And would you mind just giving a brief highlight for the regions of Portugal so that our listeners can get a better understanding of what each is kind of best known for? Uh, yes, Tiziana, uh, this podcast could get easily become a weekly one for me <laughs> to go through each region in more depth, but I will do my best to, to summarize and pick only one single highlight for each. Mm-hmm. So let's go from north to south and leave the archipelagos for last. Um, Minu, it's the region located further north in Portugal uh, and the, also the greenest area in the country. Um, it's a region filled with history, with a very rich culture. And, but the highlight here, I must say, uh, are the local people. They are honest, they're super welcoming, and they really add to the charm of the region. Um, then moving to the Douro Valley. The Douro Valley is the oldest demarcated and regulated winemaking region in the whole world. Uh, so the highlight is, is easy. It has to be the wine. Um, Porto. Porto is Portugal's second biggest city. Uh, I am biased here since I was born and raised in Porto. <laughs> um, but my peak is architecture. Uh, the city has a, a very curious mix between old historical buildings and new contemporary ones. And it's, it is also home to two Pritzker awarded architects. So um, architecture here. Then moving a little bit south to the center of the country, um, this region spans from the border with Spain to the Atlantic Ocean. So it, it, it's really hard to pick one single highlight. So I've chosen a word, uh, it's variety. Uh, this region merges mountain ranges, um, coastal towns, fantastic surfing breaks, um, villages, UNESCO World Heritage Sites, also great wine and, and, and gastronomy. Uh, so there's really a world to discover in the center of Portugal. And then moving a little bit down south to Lisbon. Lisbon is Portugal's capital city. Um, there's plenty to see and do as well, but I've, um, I've highlighted here the viewpoints. Uh, Lisbon is famous for its light, which is spectacular, by the way. And there are many beautiful belvederes and viewpoints to gain a unique perspective over town. Um, also, thanks to its central location, Lisbon is a fantastic place to be based at, not only to explore the city itself, but also to venture out on, on some day trips. Oh, two highlights here, I'm sorry. Um, moving to Alentejo now. Um, Alentejo is the biggest region in, in Portugal. It occupies almost one third of, the, of mainland Portugal. Uh, so it requires time. Um, so I've, I've highlighted here slow travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the you will quickly realize it is best to take it slow, mm-hmm. to contemplate the landscapes, to drive along the plains, uh, to discover the towns and their ancient castles, to taste the local food, and also to explore the fantastic wild coast. So Alentejo requires time to truly enjoy the ample spaces. And the region furthermost in the south of the country um, is the Algarve. Algarve is the sunniest and warmest region in the country, so the highlights uh, are the beaches. Uh, there are many different ones to choose from along the coast, 
uh, some small sheltered bays uh, to long stretches of sand. So there are options for, for all as well. Lastly, uh, moving on to the archipelagos. There are two Portuguese archipelagos. One is Azores. Azores was officially recognized as the world's first island archipelago um, to be certified as a sustainable destination. So sustainability is key here. That's my highlight. Mm -hmm. um, these islands really have a fascinating natural heritage. So we, we truly must protect it and preserve it. And lastly, Madeira, another archipelago. Um, Madeira is a natural playground and there are options for all, especially adventure seekers. So outdoor activities here are a must. Hiking through the mountain peaks, doing a wine tasting in the middle of nature, trying out canyoning in the heart of the island. For those interested in water sports, there's sailing, there's diving. Um, so there are options for, for all tastes, even for those wishing to rest and relax, which is fine as well, of course. Uh, so you name it, Madeira has it. And I think this kind of says that there's a little bit of something for everyone throughout each region of Portugal. So it's definitely not a one-time visit. You have to keep going back time and again. Yeah, that is true. And, and also, if I can add, um, Portugal, it, it, the regions change a lot according to the seasons. So visiting uh, one during spring and then during autumn, you'll find a radically different scenery. So it's also worth venturing during different times of the year, if you can, of course. <laughs> no, well, that's Leonor, a great tip. I have a question about uh, family travel. So say there might be families or multi-gen families in the summer. Mm -hmm. Is there any specific region where you say that, you know, villas would be best for them to do during the summer season for families? Mm -hmm. So at the Little Orange, our biggest collection of villas can be found in Comporta area, which is a little bit south of Lisbon. It's a great place to venture, but if the highlight is to go to the beach, to rest and relax, I would say Algarve. Um, just picture having your feet in the sand and uh, admiring the best sunset. So yeah, I would have to say Algarve. Okay, great, thank you. So what are some of the services and experiences that can be coordinated um, through the Little Orange? And that can include like airport pickup, transfers, guides, um, so at Little Orange as a, as a boutique DMT, uh, what we do is take care of all ground operations. So uh, accommodation, experiences, activities, guided tours, also car rental services and private transfers. So basically our aim is to take care of everything, ideally ahead of time, to make sure the clients just have to relax and enjoy. Um, during their stay, obviously, we are available to assist. And 90% of the times, it's the same travel designer from A to Z, uh, meaning the one drafting the first proposal uh, is the same one booking the final itinerary and helping out during the trip. Uh, we realize this, this generates an, a, a trustworthy relationship uh, between all parties, really, and it helps the whole operation run smoothly. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. And I would feel super confident knowing that the same person I helped you know, that was helping with the design was actually through the entire travel process. So yeah. great to know. Hmm. For advisors or travelers who have never been to Portugal, 
I know we kind of touched on the regions, um, but let's first for those who've never been before, what's the best way to kind of dive in? What do you recommend as a first time must see and must do? Tiziana, this is such a tricky question. <laughs> um, Keep you on your toes, Leonor. <laughs> I know, but I, I will have to answer with some questions first. Okay. So how much time do you have? What are your main interests? What sort of traveler are you? Because every little bit of information you feed me, it's important for me to, to give you a, a recommendation that hits the mark. Uh, well, if you allow me to make the choice for you, mm -hmm. uh, and I would say I'm picturing myself, really, uh, I would never dedicate less than a week, and I would try to merge Portugal's highlights. So history, culture, architecture, arts and crafts, of course, food and wine, um, nature and adventure, trying to merge them all. Um, to make it easier... I would suggest the following for, let's say, an open-minded first-time traveler mm -hmm. uh, flying to Lisbon. Uh, stay a few nights in the city to really get a good feel of it. Um, do something out of the box. I don't know, try a hands-on cooking class with a chef. Do, do a tile painting workshop. Um, a guided art and architecture tour, for instance, or attend a photo show. Um, then do a day trip to explore some of the regions in the surroundings of Lisbon. So go to Ribatejo and dive deep into the local culture and traditions. Um, another day should venture to Cascais and Sintra. Um, let's add an e-bike here uh, to really admire the coastal town, the palaces and the manor houses. Then one day you should also venture to Stubal. Uh, where there's an absolutely fantastic uh, fish market. And let's do a boat trip here and travel along the coast to explore the natural park um, and enjoy a delicious seafood lunch on board. Lastly, I would also add a visit to Évora, uh, which is kind of the capital city of Alentejo and the historical center is UNESCO World, World Heritage. Um, so after exploring the center, you could have a meal paired with a local wine at a winemaking estate. So you will surely end up with a beautiful array of memories to share. And to be honest, for me, that's what traveling is all about. Absolutely. Well, I know we agree with that. What I love about what you said is that it is difficult to kind of just answer that question it just, it's a testament to the fact that there are no cookie cutter itineraries, that everything is completely customized and tailored to each individual request. So that's also good to kind of put out there as well, that yeah. every experience is truly catered to that traveler. Definitely. So hot topic, you kind of mentioned the islands of Portugal, you have the Azores mm -hmm. and Madeira. So, okay, what makes both so spectacular? Because this mm -hmm. is kind of like the hot, the hot ticket right now. Well, I'm an absolute fan um, to start with. Uh, I know islands always have a special allure about them. And Azores and Madeira are, are not two destinations, but plenty more since they are both archipelagos. Mm. Um, despite being quite distinct and geographically distant, since um, Azores can be found between Portugal and the USA, whereas Madeira is actually further south near the, the African um, the African border. Um, so they're quite distant, 
but they both share an important aspect. They're, they're both of volcanic origin, which means they are, they are natural works of art. So whoever ventures can expect mountain peaks, deep cauldrons, green pastures and dense forests and also thermal springs and a beautiful rugged coastline that forms beautiful beaches and natural swimming pools. Um, and I, I know I've mentioned the, the people from the north of Portugal, uh, but I must say, and I go against myself, that the people from the islands of Azores and Madeira, they are the warmest and most welcoming in, in the whole country. So leaving the islands is always pretty hard. I have to say, you just shared a series of photos with me for both, and I'm in love. They're so lush and green, and it looks like you're stepping into a dream. So yes, definitely a must for those who are looking for that type of uh, holiday. So let's talk about the Little Orange Access to Experience guides, uh, bespoke events, private charter experiences, any kind of specialty programming. I know that we had a fam with you recently, and one of the, the elements of that fam that I found particularly powerful was the Fado. And I literally got chills when I, when I was listening to this. It was shared on our socials, and I just <clears> thought, wow, this is spectacular. Do you want to just share a little bit more about those special or private experiences that can be um, coordinated? Yes, of course. I would love to. Um, so one of the pillars um, of the Little Orange are, in fact, the experiences. So even if just a simple guided walking tour, um, you'll notice there's always a small twist about, a twist about it. And, and this is how we showcase the best our country has to offer. So we really dig into the experiences we design. Um, but with this question, uh, I need to go back to Antonio and Juan. Um, the brains behind the Little Orange and unique travel experiences is it's really part of the company's DNA so we are constantly on the move in order to create out-of-the-box experiences always with an, with an eye for detail uh, starting with the founders impressive network of people um, as for the father experience I love it as well I've, I've gone many times and I must say that it's never the last um, it, is in, it, it, it is, in fact, a, a great example because uh, Fado is part of our tradition and it is usually sang at typical Fado houses, which are kind of taverns slash restaurants. Um, so at the, at the Little Orange, we embrace Fado shows at unusual locations as well. So one takes place at an underground gallery, which is part of the old water supply channels of the city. That's the one we've tried during the fam. Um, and another one is held at, a, for instance, at a quirky bar with um, very peculiar decor. Uh, all the walls are filled with miniature collections and old toys. So, old toys. So, it is not the place where you would expect to to listen to a father show. And all of a sudden, it's a special and unique experience. Um, to be honest, uh, it's this feeling of. Uh, anticipation and something unexpected that we try to to generate I mean it, it was spectacular so yes that's exciting for anybody that, that's traveling through Portugal um, but how uh, far sorry, in Viviana, let me just add something that I think it's important as well sure. um, is that um, it's important to mention that even if we do not have what a client is looking for mm -hmm. we don't have it yet 
because we always try to make it happen, provided we, we have time to do so. So it really is a continuous process that we do not perceive as a challenge. If someone asks us something that we, we haven't done before, mm-hmm. but we, we perceive it as an opportunity to grow. So we always try to accommodate no matter the request. Well, that's wonderful. And I'm sure that you're making magic behind the scenes all the time. So, um, but getting back just to more to the logistic ends of it, how far in advance should travel plans be made for Portugal? And is Portugal considered an all-year destination or more of a seasonal destination? That is a really good question. Um, We recommend planning approximately two months in advance. Of course, we're a travel agency. So as far in advance we receive the lead, the better we will do. Uh, Because this time frame, it's it's great, the two months that I've just mentioned, because it it helps us guarantee our local partners' availability. Mm -hmm. Leaving it for last minute, it's always a risk because Portugal... It's, it's a small country. So the offer when it comes to high-end and luxury suppliers is always a little bit more limited. Um, as per seasonality, uh, if I had to define high season in Portugal, I would say from March to October, leaving out only the winter months. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any case, I must say that winter in Portugal is, is pretty mild and traveling off peak means lower prices and not the usual crowds. So it is actually a great destination all year round. Good to know. And what is the travel advisor experience with the Little Orange? From the initial contact straight through to the very end when the client has completed their travels. Um, so for the these, these more, I'm going for kind of bullet points just to, to make it easier to, to acknowledge. Uh, there are kind of four main steps when traveling with a Little Orange. Um, the first one is when we receive a lead from a travel agent. We basically assign it to a travel designer. And at the first, the first stage is drafting a proposal by email. At this point, it's, it's really important to obtain as much information as possible about the client so that we really send over something that hits the mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to know their likes, their dislikes, their expectations for the trip, and really every single detail since the, that's what allows us to create a, a really personalized itinerary. Mm-hmm. Then we make the necessary adjustments uh, with a travel designer, with a travel agent. And once we're confident with the itinerary to present the final flyer, the final client, the same travel designer proceeds to work on a more detailed proposal uh, with a quotation for all the services. Uh, the third step, uh, if the client is happy with a suggested proposal, of course, uh, we start booking all the services. So bear in mind, up to this stage, we cannot ensure availability. So booking ahead is once again key. Mm-hmm. Um, when all the services are then confirmed, we move to the final stage. And the same travel designer creates the final itinerary with all the relevant information, let's say timings, inclusions, exclusions, and all relevant details. This document is then shared with the travel agents closer to the trip, just to ensure the content is up to date. Uh, Well, then near the traveling date, we also send a welcome letter via WhatsApp with some additional information, such as the emergency contact number, should anything arise. And after the departure, we also do a follow-up with the travel agent and if we can uh, with the clients as well, just to understand how how all the trip went. 
um, we're, we're still small and we've been growing organically. So this feedback is, is really valuable in order to correct what's, what's needed and to continue improving. And I'm sure it's appreciated from all parties to have that um, personalized follow-up. That says a lot as well. So do travel agents need to submit an invoice for their commission? Uh, yeah, we, we, we pay our agents commission via Onyx. It's a, a platform that we use. And the only things we need to do so are the invoice and the agency's YATA number. Okay. That's great. That's good to know. I think that wraps it up. But Leonor, how much fun was this to talk about the large and gorgeous Portugal? I'm super excited. One day I'll get there. Um, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I'll be thrilled to welcome you. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time today to share a little bit more about the DNA of the Little Orange, their founders, what you do, and how we can help create magical memories for um, travel advisors and their clients. So I will include further information on the Little Orange in our show notes. And of mm -hmm. course, we want all our listeners to follow us on socials at Wanderlux Destinations, where you can view more on the Little Orange and our other uh, clients. So do not hesitate to reach out to us if you have any questions. And Leonor, thank you again. And thank you to the thank wonderful you, team yeah. at the Little Orange. Thank you for the opportunity. Muito obrigada. Uh, <laughs> take care. Bye. You too. Bye-bye.